but they didn't, they didn't make it, huh? It's a thought that counts, right? And, and that's what I want to encourage you guys with. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you, after we made, we agreed and we said, yes, Lord, last week we're going to be committed and we're going to be intentional. And you fell pretty short this week. It didn't work out quite like you, like you planned. And I just want to encourage and challenge you not to let the distractions. I mean, it doesn't have to be bad things. It has to be sinful things unless it's playing killing zombies or something on the video games. But it doesn't have to be bad things that will trip us up and keep us from going after what God has for us. And I just want to encourage you. I was going to preach a whole sermon on all these things, but obviously I'm not going to. I'm just going to hit some highlights. But I really want to encourage you to take advantage of the opportunity that God is laying before us as a church, as families, as an individual. You know, I shared a couple of weeks ago how every once in a while your car, as you've been driving it for a while, it'll get out of alignment. And so, you know, it'll want to pull. If you let go of the steering wheel, it'll pull to the right or pull to the left. And so you have to take it into the shop and allow them to, to do their thing with the with the tools and everything to get your car square and aligned again so it goes straight. That's what this time is about. As we walk our way and do our thing and we get carried about uh, and distracted and, and full of the cares of this world, the busyness of life, sin, stuff. As we walk in life, then we, we, we tend to get out of alignment. We tend to get out of quit moving the direction that God has for us and we start moving our own way. And I just want to encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity where we're setting aside time. And saying, God, I humble myself and I set this time aside to allow you to align me, to line me back up. You know, and we need to stop and examine in in first Psalms. That's the first Psalms, not the second one. But Psalms 139, 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So David was was inviting God to examine his heart. See, if we examine our own hearts, we can skip over stuff and say, I'm doing pretty good. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to examine us. He'll begin to put his finger on things. And you know what I've discovered? The wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit, about God, is he's not when we come to him and we say, God, I need you to examine me. He doesn't. Lift his hand and backhand us and smack us. Say, it's about time you got in my presence, you dirty scoundrel. I've been waiting for you so I can fix you. That's not the heart of God. But in James, it says, it tells us if we draw close to God, then he'll draw close to us. He invites us to come and draw close to him so that we can, one, allow him to remind us how much he loves us. And typically when I come into his presence, that's the first thing that I begin to become aware of more and more is just the love of God for my life. Knowing my mistakes, knowing my shortcomings, knowing my sin. And the cool thing is he's full aware, fully aware of your shortcomings. Yet he says, come on, come on. Just like Chris was exhorting us this morning. When we come to God, we don't get fixed up first and then come to God. We come to God so by his grace and his presence we can get healed. We can get delivered. We can get set free. We can get fixed up, so to speak. You know, there was one thing I was going to do. I didn't have time to do it, obviously, because things change. But I was going to um, tear the shirt up that I'm wearing. 
on the inside, but you wouldn't be able to see it as long as I'm wearing this jacket. So wearing this jacket with a torn up shirt on the inside, everything looks wonderful, right? Everything looks great. But as I would have pulled the jacket off, you would have seen that underneath it doesn't look as good as it as it appeared or as I would have want you to have believed. And unfortunately, many of us Christians walk around like that. We walk around in such a way where what people see, we project things in a way that people see us and think, oh, everything's cool with them. Their family's fine. Their marriage is okay. Everything's good. And we want them to believe that. So we carry ourselves in a certain way. We hide behind the reality. We hide the reality of what's really going on. But God wants us to come and take our jackets off and lay ourselves bare before him and say, God, I need help. God, my marriage needs help. You know, if I were to ask some of you men, how is your marriage? You'd probably say, oh, it's going pretty good. Yeah, it's going pretty good. Well, would your wife agree with you? Because sometimes we have a different, we have a certain perspective. And from our perspective, everything looks good. Everything's good. But as my wife carry that same perspective, if you were to ask her or if I were to ask your wife, would she say, yes, we're doing well. Men, would you be willing to humble yourselves first before God? But then to go to your wife and say, honey, give me a true assessment of our marriage. How are we doing? And be open to what she says. How are our families doing? You know, a lot of times we rest in the fact and we say, well, my kids are growing up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but my kids are growing up in a Christian home. And we're basing Christian on the fact that the husband and wife are both Christians. But the fact that a husband and wife have a family, does that make that home a Christian home? What is a Christian home? Well, if we look at the word Christian, it means like Christ-like or Christ followers or, or little Christ. So Christian would be an atmosphere of Christ flowing in the home. This is kind of my definition I've kind of thought about and made up. So if it didn't sound right, forgive me. So according to my definition, a Christian home is going to be a place where the presence of God is invited to dwell The grace of God is embraced and walked in and practiced and worked through. In other words, a couple, a husband and wife, are taking the principles of God and by the grace of God, walking out those principles in the Christian home or in the home. So that when a mistake is made, when sin is committed, there's repentance. You know, the other day, me and Joseph were coming uh, to work. And I accused him of something that wasn't true. But I accused him because I was holding his past against him. Remember, Candy's been exhorting us about wiping the slate clean. Well, we need to do that with our kids. We need to do that with our spouses. The past is the past. But if we repent and turn to God, it's wiped clean. But I accused him of something. And so we have that situation happen. We come to work. He goes and does his school. And I go down because I'm going to spend time with God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
And I intentionally blocked off a section of time, a good chunk of time. And as I'm going down the stairs, my heart is convicting me. I'm like, (laughs) you know, I'm going down to spend time with God, to have a wonderful time in his presence. And the Holy Spirit is saying, where are you going? You know, I'm going to be with you. So I can worship and pray and all that good stuff. And he was like, not right now, that's not going to happen. And of course, I knew what he's talking about. Matthew chapter 5, I believe it is. 23-ish around there. If you're going to God and presenting your gift before the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, forget about him. He's not important. That's not what it says. That was my interpretation at that moment. That's, that's what my action, that's how my actions were interpreting that scripture. Was I going to continue in that, knowing that I had offended my brother or my son, but we're spiritually brothers, knowing that I had offended him, was I going to ignore that because he's not important and go on with God? Or was I going to stop? And respond to him. It was hard. I think I made it all the way down the steps. Matter of fact, I made it all the way into the the lounge area. And I had to turn around and go back upstairs. And it took me longer to get back upstairs than it did to go down the stairs. And I apologized to Joseph. Made it right. I said, our past is not going to define our relationship. That's the past. See, I do stupid things too. I mess up too. But in our home, which our desire is for to be a Christian home, is to practice, walk out the grace of God, the principles of God. And not just let the fact that my kids are growing up in a Christian home quote unquote, let that be okay. Because we're learning statistically that our kids growing up in Christian homes, when they leave those Christian homes and go off to college or the military or to jobs or whatever, 80 something percent, 86% of them turn away from the Lord. That's eight and a half out of 10. That's the majority. That's the overwhelming majority of our kids when they leave our home are turning away from the Lord. That's not right. And so I believe that something was wrong before they even left the home. And so we need to examine our hearts, examine our situations, invite the Holy Spirit to examine us and say, God, search me, try me. And brothers, I would say it starts with us. You know, we want to quote certain scriptures that that name us as the head. You need to submit, woman. I'm the head. If I'm going to quote that verse, then I better surely be living up to the responsibility that goes with it. Which says, husbands, love your wife just as he loves me, the church. So if I'm not doing that, then I need to keep my mouth shut as far as telling her to submit. But men, it starts with us. It starts with us. It starts with us. And we need to humble ourselves and say, God, I need your help. 
And the hardest thing for us to do, because we are driven by our job, we're driven by action and doing things. And that's okay as long as it's submitted to the Holy Spirit. And when he says stop, when he pulls on those reins and says stop, then we stop. And right now, I believe God is saying, he's pulling on the reins and he's saying stop and turn to me. He's turning the reins. I know a little bit about horses now because I got one. Turning the reins, the horse turns. When he pulls back on him, the horse stops. Am I right so far? Okay. Make it sure. And so, men, the Lord is turning the reins, and he's telling us to turn in to the stable, relax, and spend time with him. To slow down. Be intentional with setting aside chunks. Don't say you're too busy. That excuse does not stand before him. We could all say we're too busy, but we know it's just an excuse. I got time for football. I have time for my hobbies, the things that I want to do. I have time for those. But when it comes to important things, I'm too busy. So, brothers, this is not a condemnation thing. Remember the grace of God that was poured out this morning and that we were reminded of and invited to embrace. It's for this, too. It's for this, too. We can dwell on We can look at the failures. Our failures as husbands, as men, as fathers. And we can dwell on that and let the enemy beat the snot out of us. And we can revel in condemnation. But Jesus says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And remember, he's wiping the slate clean. When you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. That means wiping the slate clean. He brushes us off, fills us with his grace and says, okay, son, let's go together. Let's go. Let's go. But I can't. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of my family. I'm intimidated. My wife is more spiritual than I am. I'm afraid of my kids. I I don't know how to do this thing. He says, it's all right. I got your back. Let's go. Let's go. You know, I was going to show you a video with statistics, and it's basically about fatherlessness. And all these statistics, these horrible statistics, because of men lacking as fathers, not being in the homes. The children that are being raised in a single parent home by the moms and the dads being gone. And it's horrible. I'm not going to show that for the sake of time. But what can happen, though, is I may still be physically in my home, but be gone emotionally. And that's just as bad because that means I'm not available to my children. If that's the case, and how do I do that? You know, it's interesting in that video. The, the funny thing, I think one reason why my kids enjoyed the video, me playing video games, you know, because I don't play video games. I don't like video games. Now, when I was a kid, you guys remember Atari? Oh, yeah, we're talking serious video games. But see, once Atari left, I kind of put my joystick away. I quit. Video games don't appeal to me. My children love to play video games. And it's not out of balance. They're not obsessed with it. They don't, we don't allow them to play endless hours of video games. So that's not a, it's not a sinful thing in our home when they play video games. But you know what? On the way to church here, you know what the Lord convicted me of? 
Some of you aren't going to believe me. That's okay. He convicted me of not playing video games. Now, some of you may take issue with that. That's okay. And what I mean by that is, see, that's a way that we can engage. I can engage my sons. Hey, listen. Hey, dad, you want to play this game? No. Dad, come on. You want to play this game? Not really. Why? Because I'm too spiritual to play video games? No. Typically because I don't feel like it. Just don't feel like it. And the Lord just prompted my heart. And I sent the text and a challenge. And I said, be ready to get your butt kicked on that new app that you were talking about. Did you get that text yet? I'm serious. I'm taking you down. But men, we need to we need to embrace our children. We need to be with them. We need to hang out with them. And we need to lead them in spiritual things. I was going to give you all these practical ideas. But my time is almost up because I'm going to stop in a few minutes. Because I believe the Lord did a wonderful thing this morning. And I believe he's about done. But I just want to encourage you to be practical. One thing we do in the video, the thing we were emphasizing was family worship, because that's what we do as a family. That's what the Lord put on mine and Lisa's heart a long time ago. And we begin to do that as a family. And we had fun doing it. And it was it was just something that works for us. Doesn't necessarily work with everybody else, but the grace of God is on that for us. With you, it may be getting in the word or whatever it is that you're engaging God together as a family in something. Find out what it is. Don't copy me. Don't copy somebody else. Now, you may get ideas from me or from somebody else, but say, Lord, what is it that I can lead my family in doing? It may be picking up the guitar. Guitar. But that sounded country, didn't it? Say, hey, guys, meet me in the living room in five minutes. We're just going to sing. And you start playing that thing, and just as the family begin to worship. What we like to do is we get the, the, I can hook my computer up to the TV, turn it on the YouTube worship videos that have the words, and we plaster our TV with worship, and we just go after it. One thing we used to do in the Holy Spirit's been, as I've been spending time with him, he's reminding, stirring up the remembrance of things that we used to do. It's time to start doing those again. One thing we used to do is I'd say five minutes. You guys remember five minutes? Now, Benjamin and Julie don't have a clue probably because it was before their time. But Trey, Brian, Joseph, and Grant, we'd be driving in a van or somewhere say five minutes. And what that meant was for five minutes, we're going to pray in tongues. That's what it meant. All right, guys, let's go. And we just start praying in tongues, praying in tongues, stirring up, stirring ourselves up, stirring ourselves up in the Holy Spirit, building ourselves up. One thing it would do is it would change the atmosphere. If there was grumbling, complaining, griping, and moaning, and groaning, all that kind of stuff going on, the atmosphere would change. I remember one time, I don't know, Mike Harper, if you remember this, Robin, you, you two may remember, because it was way back in y'all's day, y'all old people. <clears throat> but we used to do this in the, in the youth group every once in a while, in the van, driving on down to Dallas, or going on mission trips or whatever. I noticed the kids started, they would start, where the, the talk turned, started leaning towards gossip, you know. I mean, not our youth group, but I mean, I heard about that happening in other youth groups. Anyway, but we're just one attitude. You know, you're kind of getting tired. You're tired of being in a van and everything. 
And the Holy Spirit would prompt me and say, five minutes. And I'd say, guys, five minutes. And so we would begin to worship. We'd begin to pray in tongues. And the atmosphere would change. Do you ever remember that, Robin? Mike? You guys remember that? Okay. And it really makes a difference. Now, what it can be when you say five minutes, it can be just breaking out in spontaneous praise. All right, guys, five minutes. I mean, we're just going to thank Jesus for whatever we can think of. As many things as you can think of to thank Jesus. Try to think of 15. Just begin to spontaneously thank him for him. Real loud at the top of your lungs. Go. You know, you can make it fun. Make it appetizing, appealing to younger children. Let our kids see that this can be fun, that getting in God's presence is a fun thing. It's enjoyable. It's something we want to do. Not a boring, religious drying up thing or whatever. So I want to encourage you, one, to come out Wednesday night. The emphasis this week of prayer is families. Is our age the... the 35 to 50-ish age group. We're going to be focusing on that group in prayer and families, marriages. So I want to invite everyone to come out Wednesday night at 7 o'clock right here so we can get in God's presence and cry out to him on behalf of the marriages and families. Because if I were to share statistics with you, it could make you feel hopeless. Because it appears that we're losing. Our marriage is in trouble. Our families are in trouble. If we allow statistics to be that which dictates us, but we are not those kind of people. We're going to let the presence of God. We're going to let the word of God. We're going to let the spirit of the whole of God help us. And so we're going to become statistic busters. Amen. And Han and Holly, I just want to say thank you for your example. Uh, my son got to see an example, another couple that... Um, me and Joseph were being spiritual. We were watching football at Linda's house. Thank you, Linda. You here, Linda? Where's Linda? Thanks, Linda, for letting me use your living room. While she was watching the game in person, me and Joseph went over there and hung out and watched the game on TV. And then I, I invited Han earlier, and he came. He said, hey, well, I'm on, on a date night. I said, hey, bring her over, too. we got a closet we can lock her in. No, I'm just kidding. But Just kidding, honey. Now I'm in trouble. But Han and Holly came over and, and, and got to watch the massacre on TV last night, along with us, 84 to nothing. It's embarrassing. But what, I wanna, what I'm saying thank you for is your example of, Han, you pursuing your wife, taking her out, being intentional. They're very busy. They have three little children, wonderful, beautiful children. And Holly can tell you, can keep you busy. Right, Holly? Keep you real busy. Han is a very busy um, Man at work. So they have the excuses, but they're not allowing the excuses to dominate and dictate their their schedule, their priorities. And so they intentionally went out on a date last night and they do it often. They do it regularly. And so my wife was wondering when I was coming home and I was like, well, now I can't because the Hans are on their way. Oh, you know, at least we're texting back and forth. I said, yeah, he's taking her out on a date. And then it's like, and when are we going? I knew I shouldn't have mentioned the word date, rats. Anyway, men, I encourage you, besides coming out Wednesday, okay, besides coming out Wednesday, that's a given. You're all going to be here. Thank you, Jesus. But the other spiritual thing I challenge you to do this week is to take your wife out on a date. I challenge you by the Holy Spirit. Women, plug your ears. I'm sorry. I meant to have you plug your ears before I said that. Let's all stand together.
Now, however the Lord was ministering to you this morning as as you came up here, as you made yourself available and you were, were reaching out to him and grabbing him with your issues. I just want to allow you to I want to encourage you to allow him to continue ministering to you throughout the week. OK, it's not a, a one and done, a quick fix up here, but it's an invitation to come where he says, let's walk together. Can we reason together? Come on, let's walk together. Allow him to minister to you this week. OK. Because he didn't just want to say, I love you up here. But when you go home, you're on your own. He says, I love you. I want to remind you. And now I want to remind you of that every day. So come and spend time with me, says the Lord. Set aside chunks of time. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for you. We're grateful for your presence. Thank you for the grace that you are extending to us. So that we can turn aside to you and allow you to align us, Father. Get us back in alignment. Thank you so much for what you're doing that is doing for this church, to this church, through this church, Lord. The families, the individuals, everyone together, Lord, that you're, you're doing wonderful things in our lives. And we say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful week. See you Wednesday at 7.